This episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is your business's command center. The easy-to-use app powers your sales, operations, and customer service all in one place. Go check them out at lawncarebusinesssuccess.com slash jobber to receive 20% off your first six months. listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, the weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 248, entitled, Invest in Yourself and Your Future. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for the questions, the comments, and feedback uh, that you guys have been sending through. Uh, like I always say, I really do appreciate that, and of course, for those uh, all-important I iTunes reviews. I've talked about uh, in the past, I've set a goal uh, that I'm trying to attain for this year for 2020. And that is to uh, get to the 100 review mark uh, on uh, iTunes and uh, would uh, absolutely, uh, you know, appreciate uh, any of you guys out there who uh, get value from this podcast that will uh, take the time out uh, to go and leave a review on iTunes and uh, help me get to that number. As of uh, this uh, recording, uh, we are at 86 reviews. So, 86 times where uh, people have actually gone and written, uh, you know, a few sentences uh, to review the show. So uh, thank you uh, to everyone who has done that Uh, this week as well. Uh, I wanted to uh, welcome uh, a new sponsor uh, to the podcast who will be uh, uh, sponsoring uh, a bunch of episodes, and that is uh, Brian's uh, Fullerton from Brian's Lawn Maintenance uh, with his Entrepreneur Academy. Uh, so uh, absolutely appreciate uh, Brian. Uh, sponsoring the podcast, uh, and, uh, you know, joining, uh, the rank of the other, uh, sponsors that we have on the show, uh, who enable me to, uh, put out these episodes, uh, and to, uh, provide this, uh, content for you guys, uh, especially, uh, for this, uh, year where I'm trying this, uh, you know, two episodes at least, uh, per week and, uh, you know, uh, doubling down on, uh, the content uh, that I was creating for you guys, uh, previously. And it's, uh, through, uh, you know, uh, those sponsors uh, that uh, really uh, make that uh, something that can be a reality. Uh, so uh, with that being said, uh, let's uh, hear what uh, Brian has to say with his Entrepreneur Academy. Enjoying today's show? Motivated to take your lawn care and landscaping business to the next level? Learn what it takes to grow your lawn and landscaping business today with training and education from the Lawntrepreneur Academy. Get educated with how-tos on mulch installation, plowing snow, aeration and overseeding, and so much more. These training programs are designed to help you save time and make more money with your business. Invest in your future by first investing in yourself. Use promo code PODCAST to save 10% on all courses today at Lawntrepreneur Academy. 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 Academy.
So there you have it. Uh, that is uh, uh, the Entrepreneur Academy. They've got uh, a ton of uh, fantastic uh, courses there available for you guys uh, from everything on uh, starting a lawn care business, on uh, how to aerate lawns, uh, and even uh, you know snow plowing. Uh, if you guys are uh, thinking about uh, getting into that, uh, you know a lot of uh, experience that Brian brings to the table uh, and uh, provides uh, those courses uh, for you guys. So uh, just a great resource uh, for you guys to consider. And uh, what an interesting uh, uh, fact that uh, that uh, particular ad for the Entrepreneur Academy uh, talked about investing in yourself and your future. And uh, I wanted to uh, take this uh, podcast episode uh, because I know a lot of you guys, uh, particularly here in the spring, as things are starting out, uh, there's a lot of you that are listening to this that are you know, just coming, uh, you know, stumbling upon maybe the podcast. Uh, a lot of uh, you guys have reached out to me who have just discovered the podcast. You're binge listening and, uh, you know, you're on that fence. You're, you're thinking about starting a lawn care business. You're maybe not having, uh, you know, uh, the results that you'd like to have in life with your current situation, whether it's a part-time job, uh, working shift work, uh, and all of that. And, uh, you know, it could be uh, maybe you are working at a job that you enjoy, but you're not just, you know, not getting enough hours uh, to uh, be able to continue uh, on that path. We've heard uh, lots of stories from people uh, that I've interviewed in that situation where maybe they went to school for some particular thing uh, and, uh, you know, followed uh, their passion that they thought uh, and just couldn't find the work out there. Uh, you know, hours were being cut and stuff and you just can't survive or Maybe your situation uh, is a, a little more like how I found myself, where it just seemed like uh, I was a square peg uh, in a round uh, hole. Uh, you know, you, you see that analogy all the time uh, with the kids' toys where they have all the, the you know, the shaped blocks and, and the box or the circle with all the different shapes on it, and you got to fit the, the pieces into that. And for me... It always felt like that when I worked for somebody else. Um, you know, I always seemed to come across situations because all the jobs that I had previously, and I've been working uh, since I was 11 years old, I've had jobs. Of course, I was going to school and I went through school all the way to grade 12 and graduated and even went to college after that. But all through that, uh, you know, from grade, uh, sorry, the age of 11 on, I had a particular, you know, one job or another, whether it was uh, the first job that I started out uh, working uh, with a paper route uh, or whether it was. Uh, you know, uh, working at a fast food restaurant, uh, which I think I lasted about 30 days, although that one wasn't uh, uh, my fault necessarily. Uh, I ended up breaking my leg uh, and uh, uh, couldn't go to work uh, and just happened to be that I was uh, only had only been working at that job for 30 days uh, and, uh, you know, had to take six to eight weeks off. And uh, during my time off, uh, just decided that uh, I didn't want to return uh, to work once my leg was better. 
Uh, but uh, and then going to working at uh, a bunch of different hardware stores uh, from a local uh, hardware chain uh, for uh, quite a few years. I think it was three or four years that I worked from uh, grade 10 um, past uh, when I graduated. Uh, it was, uh, you know, the after school job working, uh, you know, a four to nine shift, uh, like three days a week sort of thing. Um, that job uh, I worked at, uh, like I said, uh, for uh, three or four years. Uh, I've worked at Home Depot. Uh, I've worked at um, another uh, hardware store that uh, ironically uh, was the same um, well, kind of the same as the very first hardware store that I worked in uh, during high school, uh, but I worked at it um, years later, and they had been bought out by another hardware store, so it was called something uh, different then, and, I, and it was a different location uh, that I was working at, um, but I always um, just found myself in situations uh, working uh, for other people that uh, I just always found uh, this resistance. So I wanted to uh, go through uh, some of the uh, stories uh, of sort of, you know, workplace, um, you know, uh, tragedies or workplace, uh, uh, just negative situations that I found myself in. <clears throat> and, um, through those, uh, you know, I found myself um, being called um, uh, more and more towards uh, running my own business, uh, running uh, and then ultimately uh, how we find myself now with a lawn care business for uh, the past uh, 14 years going on uh, my 15th season here for uh, 2020. So uh, I'm going to go uh, way back and uh, there's actually uh, plenty more stories of uh, uh, jobs that I've worked uh, at that uh, didn't uh, end uh, the way I thought, uh, whether, um, you know, whatever the situation uh, might have been. Uh, but I've picked three uh, that I want to talk about. And uh, I'm going to kind of do them uh, in uh, chronological order of, uh, you know, when I started working uh, there and uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, the first one uh, I'm going to go to uh, was, uh, and, and through it all, um, right from the beginning, uh, I'll preface it by saying uh, one of the uh, jobs that I worked at um and this is not part of those three stories, but uh, this is just uh, sort of the, the prequel to that. And that is uh, Home Depot. I was working at Home Depot and uh, I found myself uh, working in uh, the hardware department and uh, more in particular in the uh, lock aisle. So I was selling door locks and, uh, you know, um, uh, the little uh, anti-jimmy plates and uh, uh, window bars, security window bars and that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, through that experience, um, I stumbled upon opportunity. And that was the fact that uh, back then, uh, Home Depot didn't do um, many services. Uh, we're talking uh, 2004, uh, or sorry, 1994, 1995, uh, when I was working there. 
Uh, and they didn't really do the home services. So they were selling all their product, but there was nobody really to install it. Uh, you know, it was up to the homeowner, the customers that were coming into the store to uh, install that stuff. So, you know, and it's a lot of do-it-yourselfers. Uh, so, you know, I was working that uh, section. I would uh, have, uh, you know, products I'd be selling people, people asking me for advice on uh, lock security and stuff, uh, uh, asking, uh, you know, basically what I knew based on my familiarity with those products. And I would sell them a product, tell them why it was better, show them, you know, the different aspects of locks and stuff or uh, anti-Jimmy plates or whatever it was for uh, whatever they're looking at, window bars, that sort of stuff. And then, uh, you know, uh, they would ask, you know, what's involved or they would be looking at the package on the back. And, uh, you know, the next question was always, well, does Home Depot install this? And, you know, if not, then do you know somebody that can install this? And that's where that first, that opportunity um, started to present itself to me because I started to think, well, this is a uh, business opportunity here. Like, um, I could be offering these services. I'm comfortable with using tools and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, I could do this on the side. I'm only working here part-time. I'm only getting a few hours and stuff. And it's not in you know, in my mind, direct conflict because Home Depot doesn't install this stuff. Uh, So it's not like I'm taking uh, work away from them. Uh, So, you know, I started uh, offering uh, some services. And from that, uh, that opportunity uh, sparked the idea of uh, one of my first businesses that I uh, started. uh, And that uh, was, uh, you know, uh, the idea of doing a maybe a lock uh, security company, not, not a locksmith per se, but somebody that just installs the stuff. I don't, wouldn't rekey and all that sort of stuff because that required a bunch of regulations and stuff to get a locksmithing license. And it was quite expensive and stuff, but I thought, well, there's nothing stopping me from just installing, replacing people's locks for them and putting things like window bars and stuff like that. So I dabbled uh, in that on the side not really taking it as a full business, but just, you know, when a customer would say, Hey, do you know anybody that can do this? I would say, yeah, I can, you know, actually do it for you if you like, and, uh, you know, come after work or, you know, on another day and do that. And that sort of sparked that, uh, uh, initial idea. Well, uh, fast forward, I had, uh, met, uh, my, uh, girlfriend, uh, now wife and, uh, you know, uh, after a few years of dating, uh, proposed to her, uh, we, uh, got married and through this time, one of my other loves in life, uh, besides I've talked about, uh, you know, my passions being things like, uh, technology and, uh, you know, I went to college for uh, audio engineering and thought I would be like, uh, uh, working in a music studio and recording albums and stuff like that. And, you know, I went through that course and, past that and worked at some uh, studios and stuff and ultimately found that, uh, you know, uh, the monotony of it wasn't for me. Uh, well, all through this time, you know, I'm still, uh, you know, trying to work at different jobs and stuff. And one of my other passions uh, through high school uh, was always uh, old cars and working on cars. And, uh, you know, my, uh, a lot of my relatives and cousins and, and my dad and my brother, they all had, uh, old muscle cars. And it was always fun when we'd have like a family barbecue or something, uh, because it would look like a car show. Like neighbors would be coming out going like, whoa, like, look at this. There's like, you know, a dozen, uh, really cool, uh, muscle cars all from like the sixties and early seventies. And, uh, you know, it was always fun. So Growing up in that environment, uh, I was always into uh, vehicles and thought, hey, what about, uh, you know, doing something in automotive? Now, my brother 
was a mechanic uh, and he worked at a uh, automotive dealership at a Chevy dealership uh, for about 15 to 20 years or so at the time. And, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, telling me that, uh, you know, working on cars, uh, for your, on your own, because I was doing that as well. Uh, I was into restoring cars and stuff as well. I was into uh, muscle cars and then kind of transitioned into the vintage Volkswagen, uh, scene and, uh, had purchased a, uh, 1963 Volkswagen Beetle that was basically uh, just a shell with like primer uh but it was uh, you know in really good uh, condition and uh was uh, spent a few years uh, restoring that and uh, completely you know replaced uh, every nut and bolt in that car and uh you know had it uh um done up in uh you know a really fancy uh two tone um like uh, teal, uh, green and, uh, with the white door inserts, uh, very fifties, like 57, 56, 55 Chevy, uh, Bel Air type, uh, you know, colors. Uh, it had like the Porsche speedster wheels on it and the, the big fat gangster white wall tires and stuff. It was, uh, you know, slammed on the ground, uh, you know, very California style, uh, Volkswagen Beetle. It was absolutely beautiful. It was like uh, uh, sanded and uh, polished, uh, like 13 coats of paint. It looked like glass, like the the paint job on this car looked like it was wet all the time. Um, It was uh, just, uh, you know, fantastic. Uh, But my brother was telling me all through this going, you know, working on your own car is a completely different monster than working on customers' cars where you're dealing with issues and problems and things uh, that don't, uh, you know, interest you. And I took that to heart. I could see that, you know, that probably wouldn't be a good fit for me. But I thought, well, what if I, uh, you know, get into like, say, uh, parts uh, departments, because uh, they also pay pretty well. And uh, I could get myself a job at a parts department. So uh, I uh, uh, started pursuing that. And, uh, you know, in my uh, creativity, uh, thinking about a parts department job, uh, and not seeing any openings, I thought, well, I'm going to, you know, sort of take the bull by the horns and, uh, I am going to, um, you know, kind of do something different with my resume to make it stand out. So I went online and I looked for all of the logos of car manufacturers, Chevy, GMC, uh, Ford, all that sort of stuff, Volkswagen. And I would take the logo and turn it into black and white into in like Photoshop and then really lighten it up so that it almost looked like a watermark and I would duplicate it uh, on a page. So a whole eight and a half uh, sheet uh, of paper was covered in this sort of watermarked logo of a particular car company, whether it was Chevy or Ford or Volkswagen, whatever it was. And then I would print my resume on top of that. And I would go deliver that particular resume to that car dealership, to the, the parts department. And I would ask for the manager and just say, Hey, I'm uh, interested in, in uh, you know, working in the parts of the department and uh, here's my resume. You know, I know uh, you're not uh, probably not looking for anybody, but, you know, just hang on to it and stuff. And I got so many compliments from people looking at my resume going, I have never seen that before. Like, that's a pretty cool idea that you went to all that effort to do that. And uh, it actually led to a parts company from uh, a Chrysler dealership calling me. And uh, same uh, reaction from their uh, manager saying, hey, this is a great idea. Like that totally stood out on my desk. Uh, Something I'd never seen before. Shows initiative and all that sort of stuff. And he said, you know, I don't have a job in the parts department per se as far as a parts, uh, you know, counter person. But 
uh, we do have an opening for parts driver if you'd be interested uh, you know it's uh it doesn't pay, you know, as good as the, the other guys, but, uh, you know, it's a, a way to, to get started. So I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I started, uh, working at this Chrysler dealership and I remember being really excited cause it was a full-time job. Uh, and it was Monday to Friday, you know, working from seven 30 to four or whatever, you know, the time was at the, th- at the time. And, uh, you know, I thought, okay, this, this is my in I'm set now, right? I can be thinking about my brother working at a dealership for 20 something years and he was making good money and stuff. The only caveat here was that this particular dealership was one that was not a union shop. It was a non-union shop. So the pay really was uh, nothing like any of the other shops. And uh, we'll get into more of that later. But uh, I started working there and I remember, uh, you know, being really excited, but soon the wind was uh, uh, taken out of my sails because I was, uh, you know, getting my first paycheck and I went to my truck after work, got the little stub in the envelope and I had just, you know, finished working there, uh, the full time. And, uh, you know, I opened my stub and I think it was something like after all of the, uh, deductions and taxes and all that stuff that come off your paycheck, I was left with something like $500. And I was like, that's it. And I felt like a pit in my stomach grew and I was just like totally depressed and dejected. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's it. Like after two weeks, of work, of coming here every morning and, and every afternoon or working all the way through the afternoon and, and all that and, uh, loading parts and unloading parts and all that stuff. That's, that's what I have to show for is that, uh, and you know, I was, I was very, very depressed, but you know, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm just starting out, you know, things will get better and, and that, and, you know, hopefully obviously there'll be, you know, raises and stuff in the future and all that. Uh, well, through it all, through this whole experience of dropping and delivering parts and all that, I was cutting across town uh, through residential areas, through sort of the higher end or richer part of town. And and there was always landscapers. And I was watching these guys and it was like beautiful days when I was cutting through these neighborhoods. And, uh, you know, that was my first experience really thinking about lawn care because that uh, entrepreneurial bug that had started with, uh, you know, that opportunity that presented itself, uh, you know, at, uh, working at Home Depot and, and customers asking me if I you know, knew anybody that could install stuff and all that sort of thing. It always still sort of, uh, sort of stuck with me. And I had friends as well that had started their own businesses and, and that, and I, and, you know, I was really, uh, uh, drawn to watching them develop their businesses. And, uh, I could see that it was something that, uh, you know, uh, I, uh, was being called to as well. So, you know, I, uh, uh, started, uh, you know, looking at that and, and really, uh, starting to get that idea of, uh, you know, lawn care, uh, being a possibility of something that maybe I could do, uh, in the future. Uh, but still it wasn't something that I was like, Hey, I'm going to quit my job and, and go do that. Uh, but, uh, it was one of those things where it was just like another seed, uh, being planted, uh, in my mind. Uh, fast forward uh, some time later, and uh, the manager uh, that had hired me at this Chrysler dealership uh, had decided to retire. Somebody else replaced him. Uh, this guy wasn't as friendly. Um, and uh, uh, on Saturdays, uh, I was doing uh, some of the parts uh, behind the counter. There's, you know, starting to train me on those Saturdays, uh, to do that. And I, I found it very stressful 
at times because of uh, dealing with the mechanics that were there who were all being paid flat rate. So, you know, the faster they could do jobs, the more they were getting paid. And they did not have the patience uh, to deal with somebody uh, who was learning. And I was young at the time and it was quite intimidating uh, working, uh, you know, behind the counter with these guys. And, uh, you know, there's one guy in particular that uh, just uh, he just was a piece of work. Let's say that uh, just, you know, just a great uh, person to be working with. And uh, he just did not care, did not give me any leeway and was jumping over the counter to go get parts himself because he was so impatient uh, in waiting while I was dealing with, say, a customer or retail customer at the front counter uh, versus, you know, the side counter where the mechanics would come to. And uh, he wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't allowed to come over the counter and grab parts and stuff because then, you know, it wasn't being tracked in the computer for inventory and all those other types of purposes and stuff. But, uh, you know, he didn't care. He was just uh, the way he was. And uh, uh, like I said, uh, just a great, uh, you know, real friendly guy, uh, let's say that, uh, to be uh, dealing with. And, uh, you know, so it was very, very stressful as I'm trying to learn the computer system, trying to learn where all the parts are and all that, and having, you know, customers at the front counter, retail customers, and then having, um, you know, some uh, guy jumping over the counter uh, and uh, messing things up uh, in that sense, instead of being patient and waiting like everybody else would. And, uh, you know, so it was very stressful. At any rate, uh, one of the parts uh, department counter guys uh, was also uh, older and uh, announced that he was going to be retiring. So uh, and that his last day was going to be, you know, a certain uh, time. And uh, so they asked me, um, you know, whether I wanted to come and work in this uh, parts department. And I was like, hey, this is awesome. This is thrilled and, and stuff. And I said, well, you know, obviously thinking it's a parts department, uh, you know, I've I've been learning, you know, for months here, I've been working on the Saturdays inside learning, you know, getting a lot better at it and stuff. And so, you know, I asked them how much, uh, you know, it would pay and stuff. And they said, well, it's the same. It's the same, uh, you know, I think it was $9 an hour or something uh, that I was making for driving parts. And I was like, the same, like, that's it. Like that, that's what you guys, and uh, another um, thing, knowing that it was a non-union shop and the only one uh, for the Chrysler dealerships anyways, uh, and I had friends that I had gone to high school with in automotive who uh, I had one in particular that worked at a Chrysler dealership in the parts department as a parts counter guy. And uh, he was making in the 20 something dollar an hour for the exact same position. Uh, so I felt like, really? Like I'm going to get $9 here. So I said, well, you know, knowing the stress and that, uh, the, you know, those uh, mechanics and stuff getting kind of antsy and, and, and all that undue stress there, I was like, well, for, for the same price, I'll just continue to drive. Like, why would I, you know, come back here and do that unless it's for, you know, um, it's way more responsibility. Why would I do it for uh, the same amount of pay? And they said, okay, that's fine. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, we left it at that. Uh, so, uh, I uh, went and um, I was, this was right at the time where uh, I had proposed to my girlfriend and we were getting married and uh, we were literally going, uh, uh, you know, obviously getting married and then I was going to go on a honeymoon. So I'd taken uh, some time off 
and, uh, you know, work obviously knew I was taking time off and stuff for my honeymoon. So, uh, I go on my honeymoon and, uh, uh, something happened upon my return, uh, that, uh, was, uh, very unexpected, uh, for me. So, uh, I'm just going to take a quick break, uh, to hear uh, from our sponsor and then uh, we'll get back into it right after this. So stay tuned. At Xmark, we've poured decades of leading-edge engineering and old-fashioned work ethic into our Laser Z, the pioneering commercial zero-turn rider more landscape pros trust. So now you can experience cut quality, performance, comfort, durability, and reliability beyond your wildest dreams. Stop by your local dealer or visit xmark.com to experience an Xmark Laser Z and the attractive financing offers available now. Okay, so uh, thanks for uh, sticking with me here. Uh, so after I returned from my honeymoon, uh, I worked uh, my first week. Uh, so the Monday, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the Friday. And then on Friday, I was called into that manager's office. And uh, when I came uh, back from my honeymoon, uh, I had noticed on that Monday that they had hired somebody for working in the parts department because I had uh, turned down that position. Uh, and who they hired was the manager's uh, future son-in-law. Uh, so he was uh, uh, working now, uh, uh, you know, right into uh, the job, into the parts counter. Uh, and uh, so I was like, OK, that's kind of you know, a little bit strange. Uh, and, uh, you know, right away I was thinking, well, you know, I can guarantee that that guy's not getting paid $9 an hour being, uh, the future son-in-law of, uh, this manager. Uh, but at any rate, uh, they, you know, calls me to the office and he says, uh, hey, uh, unfortunately this is your last day. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And he says, yeah, we've decided to outsource your position. We're no longer going to have parts delivery drivers. We're just going to use a, um, a courier service. And, you know, while I was working at one point, there used to be two parts drivers and uh, one of them left. And uh, so then it was just me and uh, I was doing uh, parts delivery and they were using a courier company to deliver parts uh, to supplement uh, the parts that I was uh, doing. Cause I would do like fill up the van in the morning, go drop off parts. And if, you know, somebody called and needed something right away, they would just get it couriered. Well, they decided to just then outsource me and just use the courier full time to deliver uh, all of the parts. So I was like, what are you kidding me? Like, I didn't know you guys were doing that. Uh, you know, I said I would have taken uh, the parts job uh, had I known, uh, you know, you guys didn't mention anything about that when I, you know, said I might as well stick with driving. Uh, if you're only going to pay anything, you didn't give me any hint that that was uh, not going to be the case. And obviously, um, you know, uh, he was just, I think, going through the motions uh, with that because obviously I think he had in his mind that, uh, you know, his future son-in-law needed a, a nice job uh, to have as well and uh, wasn't going to obviously offer me that position at a higher rate or anything like that, was trying to dissuade me uh, from anything. And I fell sort of right into it uh, at that point. And uh, so, you know, here I am. I just got married, uh, you know, just came back from my honeymoon, worked one week, and now I don't have a job and uh, I'm unemployed. And again, you know, I started thinking about 
uh, you know, being self-employed and all that sort of stuff. And uh, that pushed me to do some research. And although it wasn't lawn care still, I was still thinking about, I was going back still to the Home Depot experience with the locks and the window bars and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, it was enough of a, uh, a negative experience of dealing with a manager in a situation like that, that uh, it pushed me to find uh, and get, you know, that one step closer to uh, entrepreneurism. Uh, I ended up finding a, uh, a program, a one year long program that was being put on at the local YMCA. It was uh, uh, sponsored by the Canadian government. And basically it was like an entrepreneur program where you would, they had limited spots so you had to go and pitch your idea to uh, these, um, you know, established business, business owners that were uh, running the program and uh, they would take your biz, business idea kind of like a shark tank, you know, pitch uh, and uh, they would pick people uh, to do this. And uh, there was limited spots, like I say, and it was sponsored by the government. So what that meant uh, was not only were these business owners being compensated for running this course, uh, and it was a full-time course. You had to be there Monday to Friday from nine in the morning till three. And there was uh, different uh, instructors uh, that uh, were like uh, mentors that uh, did different days. And, uh, but uh, you were sponsored as well by the government. So you got to collect an unemployment check, um, each week during the course of the program so that you could focus entirely on this course and your business idea, because the hope was of course, that you would turn into a, a business owner and then you would then be self-sufficient and not have to worry on uh, about, uh, you know, getting jobs and stuff. You'd be creating your own work and even, you know, maybe hopefully, uh, creating jobs for other people as well. So, uh, I was one of the lucky few that was selected. I went through it for my security, uh, company, security window bar company. And, uh, you know, I went through it all and, uh, learned how to do a proper, uh, uh, business plan and how to research the business and, uh, you know, competitors and the market and all that sort of stuff. And ultimately finished that program and went out and, uh, ran uh, my security window bar business, uh, for uh, a bunch of years. I think it was probably three or four years. Uh, before I decided that, uh, you know, that uh, wasn't uh, the right fit for me, uh, that uh, there was some things uh, working there. The biggest pitfall there not only was my um, introvertness at the time, but it was also the fact that I was uh, just basically running it as like a middleman where uh, I was uh, selling the window bars and, and the hardware and stuff, but I wasn't making it. And there was, uh, the companies that I were competing with, um, were also my suppliers. So it was a tough situation when you're going to go bid on a job and, uh, your competitor is there bidding on it. And they're also the person that you're going to go to, to have build the window bars. Uh, if, uh, you know, you get the job. So it was a situation that just, uh, didn't uh, work out uh, too well. And, uh, one of the competitors, uh, was in another company before that, uh, actually the one that, um, was supplying me, uh, the bars, he was in a company before where they, he was in a partnership and they split up and he decided to, uh, he was very bitter about it. So he started, decided to start his own 
company. Uh, but then he was very aggressive about his pricing and stuff, kind of like lowballing and stuff. So it was very hard to compete when he, you know, he is, uh, he was really trying to, um, uh, you know, outdo his former partner. Uh, but then everybody else in the marketplace, including myself, were kind of getting caught up in that because his pricing, uh, was just ridiculous when, you know, he would be quoting customers cheaper, uh, for him to build the bars and install them than what he was quoting me just to supply the bars and then I'd still have to go in and do the work and stuff. So it was, it was uh, a situation that in the end didn't work out, but I learned a lot. And that experience of working at the car dealership, that negative experience with that manager pushed me uh, towards that. So uh, fast forward a few years uh, past that, and uh, I find myself years later, still going from job to job, uh, you know, trying different things, dabbling in, um, things like lawn care and stuff. Uh, I had started in, I had uh, purchased a house, had some homeowner equipment. And this is the time where I talk about on the podcast where, uh, you know, I was putting up flyers saying like lawn mowing $15 and up. I was thinking about those experiences, seeing those guys when I was delivering those parts, uh, that had always kind of stuck with me, uh, that, and, uh, the fact that lawn mowing was like a, a reoccurring thing versus the window bars. I start to see that too, where like if I sell somebody window bars, I go out there, I do the window bars, but then that's it. It's like a one-time sale. They're probably never going to call me again. So it's a lot of investment to get that client in the first place. And you're probably not getting called again. Whereas if somebody hires me to do something like lawn mowing, well, it's reoccurring. I'm there every week and, you know, year after year after year, the the possibility is there for that. So it started to become really appealing, but I still wasn't, you know, totally uh, sold on it. So I was dabbling in and I was just trying with my homeowner equipment, my Mazda, uh, and I think it was a 1988 Mazda B2200 pickup, uh, extended cab uh, pickup, two wheel drive great little pickup love that little truck uh and i was just putting my uh 21 inch uh, homeowner mtd mower in the back of that uh by uh 99 uh weed eater weed whacker uh and uh, i think to start i didn't even have a blower it was just like a broom a corn broom that i was taking with me and uh just dabbling in that so i was just starting to um you know, just get the wheels turning again. Like I said, that seed of entrepreneurialism uh, was always there. It wasn't going away. It was an itch that constantly needed to be scratched for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I kept trying to ignore it, you know, uh, thinking about different things and, and different jobs and different opportunities and stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was dabbling in it, but not really taking it serious. Uh, so I ended up, uh, applying for a job, uh, at another hardware store. Uh, and this is the hardware store where, uh, I originally had started with this company back in high school, uh, but they had been bought out and now they were under some bigger name and, uh, you know, I worked, uh, got hired there. And again, the pay wasn't great, but, uh, and it was part-time, but, uh, you know, I was able to still mow some lawns and stuff here and there, uh, while working at that job. And, uh, you know, I knew that job very well because of working for years at the other uh, hardware place. And uh, at the end of my, I thought was going really, really well, uh, was enjoying uh, the people and stuff that I was working there with. There was a couple of uh, people that were kind of strange and stuff, as you know, any workplace. Uh, but, uh, you know, I just uh, found that 
uh, at the end of my three months, I was working there for three months and then you get your like 90 day evaluation. And, uh, the store manager calls me into the office and he says, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, we're going to be letting you go. Um, and I was like, what? Like it was coming right out of left field for me. I was like, what, like, what the heck? Like, why, what did I do wrong? He said, nothing. I said, well, did I, and I started getting very defensive. I was like, did you get like customer complaint for me? He says, no. He says, did you, you know, think I stole something or something? He said, no. Did you, uh, you know, did I uh, talk to somebody poorly? No. Did another employee complain about me? Uh, No. Did I not get my work done? He said, no. Uh, He says, you did everything uh, as best as, you know, you could have, that we could have asked for. He says, uh, but then here's where the, the, the kind of threw me off. He said, uh, you just don't fit in the mix here. Uh, with our company. And I was just like, what? Like, what is that? Like, that doesn't even make any sense. You don't fit in the mix. Uh, So for some whatever reason, he just didn't like me, um, regardless of whatever it was. And, uh, you know, uh, the end result was I was out. Uh, So again, it was just another situation where I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm thinking here going, like, I worked my butt off. I put all of the, you know, stock away. I was always cleaning, doing extra. Um, I liked the customer interactions. I was always friendly and helping customers and not just saying, you know, when a customer would ask where something was in the store, I wouldn't just point over. I would walk them over there and, and make sure that, you know, they were being helped and all that sort of stuff and was just really, you know, into all of that. I was friendly with all of the, the people working. And in fact, some of the people working there uh, were people that I had worked with uh, many years ago when I was in high school, when it was under the other uh, company name at the other location, they had moved to this uh, new store location. It was a bigger, more modern store uh, and uh, were you know, uh, there uh, as well. Uh, so, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. It was like that, uh, that was a thing, but for whatever reason, um, that store manager just didn't, uh, was something that he didn't like about me. And uh, he wasn't the one that actually hired me, which was interesting. Somebody else had hired me and uh, one of the, like the, the department managers had hired me, uh, but the store manager for whatever reason. So it was one of those things that was like, at first I was, uh, you know, disappointed and stuff. And it was, it was just another experience of like, here I am working for somebody. I'm doing everything that I'm being asked for, I'm going above and beyond in my own uh, mind. And yet uh, I'm still, um, you know, uh, being uh, kind of uh, punished or having to deal with these office politics uh, of these people that are uh, no smarter than I am. Uh, they're not, uh, you know, uh, college educated or anything like this. A lot of these, you know, managerial positions in these types of places are, uh, you know, people that have um, lower education and stuff like that. And they just get caught up in this, in the politics, in the, uh, power, uh, of that position and stuff. And, uh, that's what it felt to me. And I was just getting, you know, really, really tired of it. And again, um, with doing sort of the lawns on the side and stuff, it was kind of, you know, uh, giving me that, uh, that, uh, other push, uh, in that, uh, direction. Now, uh, the funny part about this particular story um, is uh, something that uh, happened uh, that was quite ironic. And uh, I'm just going to pause uh, for uh, the uh, sponsor uh, here and then... Uh 
So I'm just going to take a quick break uh, before we get into it because it's time for this week's Jobber Minute. Okay, so my question this time is, will my crew find Jobber easy to use? This is a really fair question. Getting comfortable with technology can be frustrating no matter how good you think you are or aren't with the computer. Um, and so I have to say here at Jobber, we know that and we've spent a lot of time making sure that this is really an intuitive software that makes sense from day one. Um Something to note, we've actually been voted number one most user-friendly service software in 2019. Um, it's easy to get set up, and there's virtually no downtime. Your guys can sign up and start scheduling tomorrow's job. It's actually that fast. So will your guys like it um, if they like the tools that were designed for them that make their jobs and lives a lot easier? Then yes, 100%. So there you have it, Lawn Care Nation. If you want to see what Jobber can do for you and your lawn care business, head on over to lawncarebusinesssuccess.com forward slash Jobber. You can start a free trial and even get 20% off your first six months. Okay, so the the ironic part of that story uh, was that my very next job uh, that I got within two weeks uh, of uh, losing that other job, uh, not only did I go from, uh, and I think uh, that uh, uh, job again was like a $9 an hour job. Uh, I went from that to 16, uh, 50 or something uh, per hour on the next job. So I was making uh, quite a bit more money, which I was like, Hey, that worked out for me. Uh, but it was uh, at that vehicle emission testing station uh, that I talked about. And uh, the ironic thing was that within the first three months of me working at this new uh, vehicle emission testing station where basically, uh, you know, every car in British Columbia at the time had to go through emission testing. I was one of the people trained to uh, drive their vehicles. They'd come into this building. There was like four lanes. Uh, they would pick a lane. Uh, come in and there was employees working in each lane and uh, they'd have to get out of their car, go into this little like waiting room booth thing while I would get into their car uh, on a dynamometer and drop the car into the dynamometer uh, and this test would be initiated and I would drive their car up to uh, like 100 kilometers an hour on a dyno. And while following uh, this test. And then at the end, the car would uh, pop up off of uh, the dyno. The uh, owner would get back into the car, drive forward to uh, uh, a little uh, desk area that had a printer, and the computer would generate a either pass or fail. If their car failed, they were not allowed to renew their insurance, basically uh, not allowing them to insure their car and drive on the road again uh, until, um, you know, they had the car fixed. And uh, the most that they, the, I think it would allow like a, a three month pass. Like, so if your insurance was due today, you would get a three month pass one time. So basically uh, if your car failed, the most that you could do was put, get insurance for three months uh, so that it would give you three months of time to have the issue uh, fixed. And after you had it fixed, you had to come back and get the car retested. And if it passed, then, uh, you know, then you'd be able to then insure it again for a year, uh, starting at that point. 
if you waited till the end of that three months to get it fixed and you kind of did a, you know, a half uh, of a job, you didn't do a really good job, you came back and it failed again, well, now you're out of luck. Uh, so you're still going to have to get the car fixed before you can get it insured again. But now you're not allowed a three month pass uh, to uh, get the, the car fixed. You're only allowed that three month pass one time. Um, so uh, that was the job that I had landed after uh, that uh, hardware store. And uh, like I said, within three months of working in it, ironically, uh, you know, who do I see uh, coming up uh, to my uh, lane? Uh, like I said, those four lanes that uh, the driver, as they came uh, to the building, they got to choose whatever lane they wanted from the outside. So it was completely random. Uh, this person picked, it was that store manager uh, from that last job. And he was driving his 1965 Mustang. And, uh, he, uh, pulled up and, uh, didn't say a word to me. I know obviously he recognized me and it had only been a few, you know, three months or so since uh, he had, uh, let me go for, uh, you know, not fitting in the mix. And, uh, ironically, I drove his uh, Mustang on the dyno and, uh, you know, the machines are calibrated and stuff. There's nothing that I can do. Uh, to fail a vehicle, all I can do is is drive the vehicle according to the test. And um, the computer is intelligent; it can tell if I'm not keeping up the proper speed or RPMs and all the stuff that it wants. Uh, so if I deviate uh, from that, it basically makes me start the test over again, and it'll keep doing it until you get it right, until you get the requirement that it wants uh, for speed and RPM and all that sort of stuff. So there's nothing that I can do to make a, a vehicle fail. There's nothing I can do to make a vehicle pass. Uh, for example, if uh, um, one of those, uh, the, like the sensor that goes in the tailpipe, if it's not in and it's sucking in only air, the computer resets and says something's wrong. It, it has to get a sample. It has to uh, think. So it was, and the machines are calibrated every once in a while. Long story short, what I'm trying to get at is uh, Karma uh, saw to it that uh, this car had failed. And uh, he gets in, drives forward, the printer starts spitting out the result. And, uh, you know, I got that little bit of satisfaction then to uh, see the fail result, to uh, tear it off the printer and to hand it to him and say, Sorry, your car has failed. And, uh, you know, I wanted to uh, leave a snarky, you know, comment uh, saying, uh, you know, being an older car with uh, the, you know, uh, carburetor uh, and, uh, you know, adjustments, because obviously at that time, uh, most cars were fuel injected and stuff. And, you know, I wanted to say something like, uh, you know, maybe you should, uh, you know, check the carb, maybe adjust it, maybe something, uh, something wrong with the mix. Uh, you know, I wanted to say something like that, uh, but obviously I didn't because I didn't want to, uh, you know, have him turn around and complain or, you know, that would just lead him to think that, uh, uh, his car had failed on purpose, that I had done something when I really, I had no control over it. It was just, uh, uh, delicious karma at that point, uh, of time uh, that, uh, that just happened that he picked my lane happened that I got to drive it and happened that, uh, his car had failed. Uh, but, uh, just a, a kind of a fun little, uh, uh, story there. Uh, but, uh, as we, uh, go on here uh, with that particular job, uh, you know, as a lot of you guys know, this job is also the one that, uh, ultimately, uh, at the end of it all pushed me over the edge, uh, into, uh, entrepreneurism full force. And that's when, 
Uh, for my final story here, uh, a lot of you guys will be familiar with this, and that's when uh, you know uh, uh, my wife uh, and I had a baby. Uh, the first uh, that first uh, child, my daughter, uh, was delivered. Uh, you know, it was supposed to be a natural birth, and then ended up being a, a C-section because uh, the baby just wouldn't drop past uh, my wife's uh, pelvis. Uh, and then, uh, the, so we knew that, uh, that was going to be an issue, uh, when it came time to have our second baby and the doctor told us right away, you know what, we're not even going to try because it was so many hours the last time. And, uh, you know, it it could be stressful on the baby and all that stuff. So we're just going to go ahead and do a C-section again for the second one, but this time it's a scheduled C-section. So you'll know exactly what day we're going to do this, uh, and all that sort of stuff. And, through my experience with that first baby, I knew that, you know, a C-section obviously is quite an intensive, uh, you know, uh, operation or surgery. And, you know, they're basically cutting through your abdominal muscles and, uh, you know, past your, uh, all that, uh, section there, uh, to get, uh, the baby out. And, uh, the recovery is quite long because, you know, it's very difficult, uh, when you're, uh, you know, those muscles there have all been cut, uh, to even, uh, bend over or get up from bed. Uh, it's quite painful there's no strength there until all that heals and mends and stuff and uh you know with that first baby my wife she wasn't able to get out of bed and go pick up the baby and stuff like that i'd have to go pick up the baby and and uh, you know bring it to her uh when it came time to feeding and stuff like that so i knew all of this going into uh our second uh child so uh, knowing this and knowing that it was going to be scheduled, I went into the manager's offices and I told them uh, and they all congratulated me and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I said, you know, it's going to happen on this such, such day. And this was like literally like two months out of when this was going to happen. And they're like, yep, yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, we'll put you down and you can take your time off there and all that sort of stuff. So uh, all was uh, seemingly well in the world at that time. And, uh, you know, this job, like I said, was a, you know, it was a decent paying job uh, for what it was. And, uh, you know, like I said, everything was going well until uh, the day had come. And with this particular job, it was one that I was working up the corporate ladder uh, as well. I was uh, doing, they had like uh, extra training and things that you could do and tests to sort of work your way up uh, out of sort of that uh, position of a, a vehicle tester and into more of like a supervisor role and stuff like that. And I had done all of that and uh, had uh, passed all those tests and was now, um, you know, regardless of the fact that you know I was only uh, maybe a year or two uh, into that job um, you know, I now had keys to the place. I was opening up the business, uh, going there like an hour early to calibrate all the machines. I was learning how to do all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, some nights it was the opposite and I was coming in a little bit later and then staying till the end of the day and then cashing out, uh, all of the cashiers and all that sort of stuff and putting the money in the safe and all that sort of thing. And, was doing all taking on all of that extra responsibility uh, for that and getting paid a little bit more per hour on the days that I was scheduled to do that particular uh, aspect of the job. Uh, but, uh, you know, so it was seemingly going really well until such a day I was called into the office again, just before uh, my last, uh, it was my last day uh, before I was supposed to take off um, for the birth of my second child. And, uh, you know, they called me in and they said, unfortunately, we cannot let you uh, take that time off uh, next week uh, because we had to fire somebody. And some uh, one of the employees was, uh, you know, uh, doing something, uh, you know, ridiculously stupid. 
um, I can't remember. Oh, I think it was, um, they were, uh, you know, as car, you have obviously your coffee break and your lunch break and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, and this, uh, you know, and you would obviously, if you had to go to the washroom, uh, you could go to the washroom while, you know, a vehicle is maybe being tested and stuff. There was two aspects to a test. There was a, you know, the driving portion and then a, a tailpipe, um, you know, like an idle portion of the test. And while that idle portion was happening, Hey, you could run to the bathroom and, and go to the bathroom and then come back and, and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, you know, people routinely did it and there was never an issue. And this particular employee, uh, decided that, uh, you know, he was going to do that. And then, um, uh, you know, after going to the washroom, uh, he decided that he was hungry and wanted to make a sandwich. Uh, so he was making a sandwich and stuff. And then the customer came out of the booth and was like, well, what the heck's going on? Like the car's popped up, the test is finished, um, and all that. And you know, what do I do? Do I drive forward? Do I not drive forward? The guy's gone. What's going on? And you know, literally the guys in the cat in the lunchroom making a sandwich and all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, they found out about it. Customer was complaining like, what the heck? The guy disappeared. So the manager was like checking the cameras cause it was cameras everywhere for liability. And they saw that the guy was like making a sandwich sandwich and stuff. So they fired him for that. And, uh, so, you know, they told me that, Hey, we, we can't let you have that time off because, you know, we had to fire that guy and now we're short, right? We don't have anybody to replace uh, a him. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I can't not, um, uh, stay home. Like, well, I know what happened last time. There's no possible way. Like my wife will be in bed. The baby will be there. She can't get out of bed to, uh, you know, help. There's nobody else that we can have to come and help. Um, I said, I can't show up. Like I'm, I'm not coming in. I gave you guys two months notice that, uh, this was going to happen and you guys approved it all. And, uh, you know, you can't just turn around now. And they literally said to me, uh, that, uh, you know what, if you don't show up for your shift on Monday, there were again, a situation that I found myself in where it was, uh, you know, a person who was the manager at the time, the station manager that, uh, was a situation where this person was uneducated, you know, they had, you know, high school and that sort of stuff, but it was just like a, a person that was just kind of flexing their muscle of this power that they had for this position. Uh, and, uh, you know, they said, if you don't show up on Monday, then don't bother showing up at all. Uh, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like you're telling me basically that I've just lost my job because there's no way that I'm coming in on Monday, uh, for, uh, you know, this, and, uh, you know, basically that's what they said. And the, you know, I left that office, I closed the door. I still remember exactly every step that I was taking. I still remember what it all looked like with the, you know, closing the office door, all that stuff, you know, how, as I was walking, everything was kind of like in this fog, And I just said to myself at that, that was the final straw, the defining moment for me to, um, you know, uh, go on my own. And I said to myself, I will never, ever work for another person for as long as I live that from this, you know, time forth, I'm going to figure out a way starting today on, uh, you know, becoming my own boss. All of those ideas, all of those seeds that have been planted throughout the years, all of that dabbling 
uh, was coming all full circle. All of that planning other businesses, the window security bars, uh, and other businesses I had dabbled with in um, that I had mentioned uh, in this uh, you know episode because uh, I was only going to give you guys uh, uh, certain examples, but uh, things like uh, um, web, uh, you know, uh, web. Um, uh, website uh, designing for people, um, you know, things like, um, uh, like I said, that uh, window security bar business. Um, there was, there's a whole list of things. Like I'm, I'm drawing a blank here because there's literally so many things uh, that I have uh, dabbled in uh, and uh, played around with as far as ideas go uh, in planning logos and what you know companies would look like and uh, signage and and marketing material and designing websites and all that sort of stuff uh, for those businesses. Uh, all of that was coming full circle to that moment, um, you know, and it was like uh, that. Um, uh, you know, Steve Jobs, um, commencement speech that he gave where he says, you know, only, you know, when you're going through life, the puzzle pieces don't seem to, uh, kind of like, uh, make sense. And it's only later in life when you look backwards, you see where all of those, uh, dots connected and led you to where you are today. And it was, that's how each of the, the sort of steps that I have, um, you know, went through in my journey sort of landed me, uh, to where I am today. And even now when I think, uh, like if I were to think of just lawn care, uh, and I look back at all of those things that happened and all of those times where I dabbled in uh, lawn care and dabbled in, um, you know, uh, different ideas for entrepreneurial stuff, uh, different concepts and things that I tried, um, you know, having uh, like the window bar security company, like for me, that was one thing where it was like, you know, having a professional image is very important because, you know, this is a security bar business. You're going to people's homes. They got to feel comfortable with you. Uh, so I was implementing things like, you know, uniforms, golf shirts, embroidered, all that stuff. I bought myself a brand spanking new uh, Chevy Astro cargo van, uh, you know, a white cargo van. And I uh, had all the decals and logos and stuff uh, put on that van. And uh, it was one of those uh, businesses, uh, you know, that uh, that professional image was something I uh, yearned after because I was like, man, like I can't show up to somebody's house to sell them security products and, uh, you know, uh, be in my, uh, you know, older SUV and stuff like that and just show up in like jeans and a T-shirt or something. Uh, you know, I have to be presentable. I have to be somebody that they that looks like a professional that they can trust. You know, you have to build that trust with the customer. So there's, you know, even though that business didn't, um, succeed, so to speak. Uh, I learned or learned valuable lessons from that, just that one aspect of having a professional image and all that, and how far that can take you, uh, in a particular business, the, the, the instant trust that's built up, uh, from that, um, you know, just, uh, that sort of thing. Um, you know, when, uh, doing, uh, you know, uh, web designing and stuff uh, that I was dabbling in, uh, you know, how important that is, how your, uh, you know, website really is, uh, you know, a representation of you uh, online and you can really make yourself equal, uh, online with your competitors, uh, you know, um, you're on equal footing versus maybe in the real world where uh, you might have a competitor uh, like, um, say that uh, competitor, uh, again, I'll go to the example with the window bars where, 
really all I had was an, a brand new van uh, that had uh, some nice decals and stuff. Uh, I didn't have a shop. I didn't have a way to manufacture bars or anything like that. I was basically the installer middleman uh, versus my competitors, where if you went to their you know business, you would see the the manufacturing shop, all the welders and all that stuff, making the bars, the uh, powder coating and all that, and then all that. But if you saw us out and about on a job, um, you know, it was just van versus van. Uh, they both looked equal. And, and online, our websites both looked equal, both had the products for sale, both had all that. And, uh, you know, if somebody booked an appointment, that's what they would be seeing. So as you know, having a website and learning those lessons, very important in, uh, you know, kind of equaling uh, your competition online where you can versus uh, maybe in the real world where uh, you might not have the resources like a Home Depot to have a 130,000 square foot store or something like that. Uh, where online, you know, that real estate is uh, uh, much more equal uh, to uh, uh, be able to attain uh, that uh, same uh, image. So, like I said, uh, you know, looking at all those examples, you can see how, uh, you know, and, and seeing where the lawn care and how I saw the, the guys mowing lawns when I was delivering parts and, and saw that initial, that seed being developed in my mind of the freedom of uh, what lawn care could afford you. Uh, and just putting all those puzzle pieces together led me to lawn care. Uh, but even going further now, uh, you know, looking at, uh, uh, this podcast, for example, and creating content, for example, uh, well, I talked about, uh, you know, going into, uh, recording and, uh, after school, going to college, uh, to work in a studio, recording studio, uh, and, uh, becoming a recording engineer and all that sort of stuff and, and learning those lessons. And now again, you know, thinking that, uh, you know, that was quite expensive to go to that school and stuff and looking, going, well, that was, you know, a huge colossal waste of money in the end because I never uh, did anything with it and stuff. I was so shy. My introvertness again held me back in lots of situations with that uh, where I could have, you know, been working uh, in that, um, you know, uh, had I stuck with it, had I worked past some of those issues. Um, but now looking again, where I am today, uh, creating a podcast that, uh, you know, I get, uh, uh, many compliments from, uh, getting, uh, you know, people coming up to me, telling me how much, uh, the podcast means to them, how it's helped them get their business off the ground. And you look back and connect those dots. Well, you know, the podcast is something, you know, I started doing because I loved listening to podcasts and it was appealing to me because it had that audio aspect of it that, uh, I had always uh, enjoyed and, and studied and learned how to do, uh, having good audio quality and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but, uh, the topic, uh, you know, the content to create for the podcast, uh, is coming from that business side, that entrepreneurial side that I learned all those lessons. So again, looking back, uh, whether it's the podcast or the, the, uh, business itself, you can connect all those dots through my path. And I'm sure it's very similar for, uh, you guys out there you know, sitting on the fence, thinking about starting uh, your own lawn care journey that, uh, you know, it's never going to be a straight path. Uh, and there's never uh, any guarantee. And uh, I think a, a big mistake that people make uh, is that uh, they always look to the end as uh, the goal uh, that, you know, I, I need to be this or this, I need to attain this much money, I need to uh, do that when really, uh, the whole purpose and the whole, um, 
you know, thing that you should be focusing on uh, is the journey itself, is all of those steps. Uh, And just, uh, you know, uh, looking back from time to time uh, and seeing how those dots connect and, uh, you know, uh, knowing that, uh, uh, you know, you're uh, on the right track just to follow your intuition. And it may not make sense in the beginning, but if you have that thing inside you, and I mean, it's so difficult to explain uh, when some, you know, that little voice in your head, that little uh, thing for me, it's not so much a voice. I'm not hearing, you know, some speaking or anything. It's a feeling. It's a feeling of joy when I'm thinking about a certain thing. If I'm thinking about starting a business, if the wheels start turning and I think about, I get excited, like right now I'm talking about it and literally uh, my back and my arms are goosebumps are, are, you know, goosebumps, goose pimples are, are completely rising up on my skin as I start to think about uh, starting a business, about the logo, what, what a logo would look like for a company. Again, I can feel the goosebumps uh, just coming up over me. You can, uh, it's just what I love to, to, to do, to plan, to think about a business, um, all of that uh, of getting a, a lawn care business or any business uh, uh, for that matter, um, you know, uh, off uh, to a start, Uh, you know, if you have that, if you have that feeling of that nagging feeling of something um, calling you, then that's what I'm saying. Uh, so if you're sitting on the fence and, and you keep having those issues and it doesn't happen all at once, you know, it may, but for me, that lawn care was something that was just reoccurring year after year after year that it just kept coming back into, uh, my uh, radar. It would, it would go out as I kind of looked somewhere else and didn't recognize it. Uh, but then, you know, another situation would present itself a negative situation and, you know, along comes lawn care again, uh, back into, uh, the scope of my radar. And uh, that's what I'm talking about is that sort of thing. If you're feeling that, that is what uh, you need to uh, pursue and to uh, go after. Uh, the opposite is uh, uh, resistance. If you're feeling resistance, if the thought of doing something, if the thought of waking up another day to go to a job that you don't like, to sit in traffic uh, that you don't like, to do something for somebody uh, that you just don't like. That is, you know, your <laughs> your self-conscious, your spirit, your whatever you want to call it, a higher power, uh, your guardian angel, whatever it is, that is them telling you that is not the way to go, uh, that you should, uh, you know, if there's any of that resistance, uh, to, you know, to also, uh, listen to that. And it can be very difficult because if you're under the stresses and the pressures of life, you have bills to pay, uh, you have, uh, you know, rent that's due, you have food to put on the table, then, uh, you know, uh, like me, Despite uh, the resistance of, you know, working another job, despite having negative experiences with office politics and uh, that sort of stuff, I still would go to the next job. I still would look for another job before going out on my own because it was scary to think about going out on my own full time. I was uh, dabbling in businesses I was, uh, you know, doing it as a side hustle here and there because there was no risk involved doing it that way. I could call myself a business owner without actually being the owner of 
a viable business uh, because, you know, you were playing with it, you were learning it uh, and all that. Uh, but it wasn't something that I could, um, you know, rely on for income to support, uh, you know, me and my wife and kids and things like that. It was only when that, uh, you know, you hit that moment uh, where, you know, it took that uh, uh, realization uh, and it took that, um, you know, moment for me uh, to hit that rock bottom to say, I will never work for somebody else again to actually push me uh, fully into the commitment. And, the, you know, uh, as a lot of you guys know uh, from the, that story that I've told before, um, you know, dabbling in lawn care, uh, you know, messing around with it, all that sort of stuff. And then seeing that franchise company operating and, and, and remembering that they had signs all over their trailers saying franchises available. That's what led me to the very next, you know, uh, within that week, um, you know, the very first time I saw another one of those trailers to follow that person. And when they stopped at a house to get out and ask them about the franchise, ask them about their experience with it. And that's what led the ball rolling. And ultimately, you know, within a month I had purchased a franchise, uh, in that and, uh, had, uh, basically told, uh, you know, the, the emission testing station, uh, that, uh, I was only going to work on Saturdays or something like that, uh, uh was uh, my plan for my transition. Uh, cause I figured uh, on Saturdays was their busiest day at that emission testing station. And uh, literally there would be a lineup that could be uh, 90 minutes long for people waiting to get their cars tested. And the employee parking lot was in the middle of the queue of where all the cars lined up. And I thought, you know what, this is actually perfect. If I cut my hours back, I can uh, work Monday to Friday on the lawn care business franchise. The Saturdays when uh, I know they will give me hours regardless of, uh, you know, uh, whether I want to quit or not. Uh, if I work one day a week, I know they'll give me the Saturdays because that's when they need the most people. Um, and I can use it to my advantage because what I'll do is I'll show up, uh, in my truck with my brand new trailer with the franchising logos all over it and I'll park in the parking lot. And, uh, you know, people will be sitting there for 90 minutes at a time waiting for their cars to be tested uh, with my, uh, you know, new business advertising to them. And uh, I did that for, uh, I think, about six months or so before uh, I got uh, busy enough uh, with the lawn care that, uh, you know, I couldn't, uh, I needed to use the Saturdays to actually uh, do uh, work and stuff. But, uh, you know, your journey, everybody's journey is going to be different. We've heard uh, from tons of uh, entrepreneurs this past winter, uh, law entrepreneurs, uh, people that I've uh, been interviewing and uh, just all fantastic uh, stories. And that's why I love uh, a good entrepreneurial story. I love listening and watching shows like Shark Tank or Dragon's Den uh, to hear how a business started, uh, you know, and all that, because I resonate with that. I resonate with those experiences. And I can feel uh, when people are struggling, um, you know, in those instances, I can really relate to that. Uh, and those, uh, you know, that fork in the road where you have to make a decision. So hopefully, Hopefully, uh, you know, this episode uh, was a little bit different for you guys. Hopefully it was entertaining enough and enjoyable uh, to listen to a little bit uh, about a little bit more about me and my story and how I even uh, got into uh, lawn care 
and what led me uh, ultimately to uh, starting a, a lawn care business uh, of my own, starting a business of my own uh, for that matter, and uh, why um, you know I feel so passionate uh, about uh, that, as a lot of you guys uh, have said uh, throughout uh, some of the iTunes reviews. Uh, that seems to be uh, you know a reoccurring theme, and and a lot of them uh, where people say uh, you know uh, he's uh, a very passionate host, uh, and uh, you know I thank all of you guys for recognizing that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I want to thank uh, the sponsors for this uh, particular episode. So, of course, uh, Jobber Software, uh, Xmark Manufacturing, and uh, to Brian uh, Fullerton for Brian's Lawn Maintenance uh, and his uh, Law Entrepreneur Academy uh, for sponsoring this episode and uh, making it possible for me uh, to be able to uh, bring you guys content like this. So uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.